Welcome to Twin Talk. This is Joy, and I'm here with my sister Angie. So, Angie, what's been new with you lately? Well, I've kind of been in the decluttering mode, so, and I have you to thank for that. Why do you have me to thank for well, that? I was know, thinking I had you to thank for that. Well, I mean, you know me, I'm like the ultimate declutterer, you know, people, I mean, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm in a constant mode of decluttering. And, but since you've been off work this summer, you know, since you get the summers off, since you're a teacher, uh-huh. um, you've been sending me all these wonderful videos <laughs> at like 10, 30 at night, a video will pop up on my email. I'm like, what's Joy doing? Or it'll be like 11 o'clock at night. I tell, yeah. you, I tell you, you're sitting there watching decluttering videos and you just <laughs> email them to me. This is a good one, Angie. Hey, watch this one. And they are. They're well, all, this they're is all so really cool. good. Um, Actually, Angie's the one that I want to thank because for the last several years, you've been decluttering your house. Yeah. And once she started decluttering, I started looking around my house. And when you live in a house that's under a thousand square feet, you cannot be a pack rat. You can't have multiple things. That is so true. And so now where I used to binge on Netflix or something, I binge on decluttering videos on YouTube. And I just... It's actually addictive when you say you binge on those. Yes. You just reminded me, it really is addictive. Once you get started, you just want to keep doing it. And once you start decluttering, you just want to get rid of more and more and more. I don't ever want to be what you call a minimalist. Me I like to have stuff around me, but not so much stuff that I'm stressed by it. Right. I just want things around me that I love are beautiful or bring serenity yes you know we have enough chaos in the world so why do you want your home to be chaotic exactly and i ran across this youtube channel and her it's called the min the minimal (laughs) minimalist mom i think oh yeah and her name is diane is this the one that has the identical and she has an identical twin she was over the wait is the twin diane or is she diane i don't know i just know that her okay. house omg <laughs> hey i have learned so much from her though oh she's good she's good but she's now good. I, this is where the over the top where she didn't even she she doesn't want flat surfaces on her house so when her twin sister came over she literally didn't have anywhere to put her eyes literally tea. like when you look in her living room it's a couch a chair did she have? She didn't have a coffee table. Um, yeah, she may have had. had a coffee she had a coffee table. table, a couch, and a chair. Is all I remember. Yeah, like so. Like her sister was there doing a video with her drinking a glass of water and did not have anywhere to put her. Yeah, glass. that's pretty extreme. Uh, I feel like she was extreme. Yeah, but I will say, I've, if you ever listen to us, minimalist mom, uh-huh. it's cool. Number one, they're identical twins, like we are. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're just a little bit younger than we are. I've learned a mm-hmm. lot, and I love, love, love. That her sister always can apply scripture to the principles they're talking about. Oh, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I love that. So, anyway, shout out to them. But, yeah, yeah, I love this decluttering process. I already feel like my house is, it's freeing up space and it's already a little less stressful. And I just have to throw this in. We're sitting in my mother's (laughs) back bedroom. You know what I'm going to say. Yes. We're sitting in our mother's back bedroom. Speaking of decluttering. And we are surrounded by... A clutter. Clutter. And, like, okay, right now, just some examples. Let's see. There's a pile of small picture frames. Probably holds, like, the little three-by-five photos. There's probably ten of those. There's there's these, what do you call those? They're, like, borders that you put photos in. I don't even know what you do with them. It looks like there's about 20 of those. 
She has a bunch There's of picture frames everywhere. Well, in her defense, I think this is kind of like her storage room. Yeah, this is her room that I'm going to get to that and go through it later. Yes, I think a lot of so it. So I understand, and she has you know um, flowers. I and see lots floral of floral arrangements. Uh, yeah, for graves, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, more picture frames on the bed. Looks like there's about twenty on the bed. Mm-hmm. There's and a so bassinet. I understand this yeah. is her storage room. Mm-hmm. My issue I have is like some of these picture frames are ancient. To me, it looks well, like they're in bad point, shape. Joy. I'm counting like 50 picture frames. Who? And she has a thousand pictures in her house framed already. Mm-hmm. So, who needs that many picture frames? Well, I guess she does. I, I guess, guess I need a quick. So, it is okay. ironic that we are talking about decluttering our houses and <laughs> yeah. we're sitting in a room that is. It's yeah. not horrible. She's no, not a hoarder. It's not a hoarder. But it does not have stuff mode. all around us. Right. She's not hoarder mode. <laughs> not. She hasn't come to that point. Okay. So, so I, anyway, we're in decluttering mode. And that's kind of... And that school starts back for me in a couple of weeks. So I've got to get on the ball because I'm not even halfway there. So you can do it. Oh, I can do it. You can do it. I'll help you. Okay. I can't believe it, but this is episode number 40, and we are wow. going to talk about a book called The Companion. Oh, and did you do on Buzzsprout that every so often they give you like little medals? It's for accomplishments. And when okay. we hit 50 episodes, we get another, it's like a little medal. Ooh, so we can 10 more, advertise we'll get, it on Facebook yes. or something. Yeah. Awesome. So we're only 10 episodes away from getting our next, they're called achievements. I'm sorry. We should totally celebrate that because we are 50 years old. Oh. And we're going to hit our 50th episode. 50-50. Yes. Yes. Okay, so the book we're talking about today is called The Companion by Katie Allender. And it was released in August of 2020. So right off, so I'm proud of us. Yes. We like to do books. We're so modern. We're so modern. We're actually been doing some books that are recent that maybe people haven't even read yet and maybe mm-hmm. want to read. I found this summary on Goodreads, but I could not find the author's name so I could give that person credit for the summary I'm about to read. Oh, okay. So I'm sorry if you are the Goodreads author that wrote the summary. I really did try to find your name. <laughs> Um, the other orphans say Margot is lucky, lucky to survive the horrible accident that killed her family, lucky to have her own room because she wakes up screaming every night, and finally lucky to be chosen by a prestigious family to live at their remote country estate. But it wasn't luck that made the Suttons rescue Margot from her bleak existence at the group home. Margot was handpicked to be a companion the title, to their silent, mysterious daughter, Agatha. At first, helping with Agatha and getting to know her handsome older brother seems much better than the group home, but soon the isolated, gothic house begins playing tricks on Margot's mind, making her question everything she believes about the Suttons and herself. Margot's bad dreams may have stopped when she came to live with Agatha, But the real nightmare has just begun. I'm impressed with all your, the reading. I am too. Yeah. No, not really. It sounds like you practiced that. I didn't. But I just, you know, (laughs) wanted to add a little flair, a little drama. I like that. So my first question to you, um, the cover art for the book. Now, this was an audio book. Neither of us actually read it. We listened to it. Um, what did you think about the cover art? And of course, if our listeners are not familiar, it's a picture of a silver spoon and it's full of needles. 
Okay, I'm really glad you asked that because the cover art was very intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you just mentioned silver spoon. I wasn't, I was thinking of it, okay, it's a spoon with needles on it. Right. But the fact that you said silver spoon, mm-hmm. okay, to me, that's really significant because what we're going to talk about shortly is that, you know, well, you just mentioned she goes to a family who's very wealthy. Yes. And the old saying is, you know, you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Okay, so so I think that's very symbolic. Oh, see, I didn't even pick up on that. Well, I, <laughs> but you're right. It's a, It wasn't a wooden spoon or oh, it was a silver spoon. And you're right. It's right. indicative of a possibly. I think it's indicative of, of a, a wealthy, a wealthy family, family, which they are. So, okay, and the other thought I had on the spoon was when I think of a spoon, I think of um, food. And comfort, mm-hmm. okay. When you think of a spoon, I always I think of a picture, almost picture like a mother feeding her baby with yeah. a spoon. So a spoon to me represents comfort and food and just security. Mm-hmm. But then you've got these needles on top of the spoon, yes. and I think mm, needles. Well, who likes needles? Nobody. Right. Okay, they're unpleasant. And these are like not syringes, like needles mm-hmm. you would get a shot. They're like. Uh, they look like the little sewing like pins. sewing needles, yeah. Like little sewing pin needles. But I, I don't know. But it's the same connotation. Something yeah. sharp and pointy on something yeah. that's, like you said, but, just be comforting. But, but you and I have the inside scoop, so we know that they could also represent needles from syringes. Yeah. Um, and in this case, I think the spoon represents what do you take medicine with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I don't... We want to be careful of spoilers here. But now looking back, I realize maybe the spoon represented what you take medicine with. Uh, It it could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I will say this, the, whoever came up with the cover, I thought was very clever. And once Mm -hmm. you, if you, if you actually decide to read the book, um, you'll understand. Yeah. I was immediately intrigued because I'm like, what in the world? It's a silver spoon with these little sewing needles on it or little... I wish I was a seamstress. I don't know the name mm-hmm. of the actual, but anyway, like straight pins. Almost, yeah, like or? little straight pins or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so right off the bat, you're like, "What's up with this? What, what are we doing with this spoon and these needles?" So we have this girl named Margot, and it's a very tragic story. Uh, she's with her family. She's a teenager. I can't remember now. And once again, it's been a while since I've read the book, but the van ended up. In a and was it a lake or a pond? Um, the last thing she remembered was her mom saying, "What's that in the road?" Or like, "Watch out! What's that?" There was something in the road, and I think her dad veered to to miss whatever it was. Okay. And their car overturned in some type of channel that had water in it. Okay. And the van's upside down, mm-hmm. and everyone is everyone drowns. It's like her brother, her father, and her mother. Did she have For a sister? She had a sister. I can't remember if she, she had, had a... I know. This yeah. is where my memory's horrible. It's only mm-hmm. been like a month since I've read the book. But I've read so many books, they all start to kind of, you know, blend together. I think she have, might have had a brother and a sister. But okay. regardless, it was tragic. She, it was tragic because everybody drowned, but she was able to escape. Right. And so that's where the irony comes... Or, well, this is kind of where it gets kind of interesting. So she... They have no... Which I find it hard to believe she has no relatives that can take her in. But mm-hmm. apparently she has no relatives whatsoever on the whole face of the earth that can her take her in. Her mom and dad were only children. Her grandparents were dead. And then she tried to live with some friends and it just didn't work out. Right. <laughs> so. so this family, supposedly, um, she gets an offer from a very wealthy family. Uh, they have tracked her down. And they want to take her in because supposedly the father of this very wealthy family... 
Margot's dad and he, they were, were they college roommates or was it high school? I can't remember, but supposedly Margot's dad had saved this man's life. From drowning. From drowning, and he felt like he owed him something. Yes. By taking his daughter, and he felt like he was repaying that debt. Yes, he was repaying the debt because his life. So isn't that, and it didn't even hit me. Sometimes the most obvious things just escape me, but the the dad, her dad had saved this guy from drowning, Mm. and he ended Mm. up drowning. Good point. And so now this guy is going to, like, take the daughter in. But there's a catch. Mm-hmm. So you want to explain what the catch is. She gets to mm-hmm. this big, huge mansion. This is a mm-hmm. super wealthy family. They're, like, going to take her in. And you're, like, with a, a new daughter. And we're going to give you food and clothes and um, pay, for your college. pay for your college. But there is a catch. So what was the catch? Hey, this kind of reminds me of... Uh Little White Lies, remember? Like, yeah, oh, you're right. I'll pay for college the grandma, if you come live with yeah. me. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, um, yeah, the catch is, oh, by the way, we have a, a daughter who's about your age, and uh, yeah, she's beautiful, and but yeah, she's comatose. <laughs> uh, like she, you know, she doesn't speak. She doesn't really communicate. And we keep uh, her in a nursery. We keep her in a nursery. And um, she's like 16 years old, and she just likes to sit and stare out the window all day. She sits day. and stares out the window, and I dress her every day, and I brush her hair. And we, we pretend like she does her homework every day, but she's really just sitting staring out the window with a blank notebook in front of her. And we think it was some sort of virus that she caught. <laughs> yeah. What a it's virus. All really, it's all really strange. <laughs> I will you know? say when they... When they told her it was a virus, they think it was. Didn't they say it was? They thought it could have been a virus she contracted somewhere. Yeah, and they had someone in the family that had died mysteriously. Quote air quotes. Mm-hmm. And um, they they think that she contracted the same thing that killed the mom's right. sister or something like that. Yeah. Okay, and mm-hmm. what did you think that her name was Agatha, the teenage daughter um, that's kind of comatose? I just. Old uh, old families, I, you know, especially very wealthy families that are very well established. They. In my opinion, they tend to take names from um, ancestors and relatives because it's an old-fashioned name. I thought it might have been a nod to Agatha Christie. Oh, okay. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't yeah. looked this up. I don't know anything about this author. Mm-hmm. But I thought, wouldn't that be cool if she's a big Agatha Christie yes. fan? Because this is like a mystery, suspense, mm-hmm. gothic type yeah, novel. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Who mm-hmm. knows? Okay, so the dad. What would you think about the dad? Um... The dad, okay, were he uh, he just he was pretty normal, of the whole lot. He uh, well, I guess if you had to compare the mom and the dad, he was the normal one. Yeah, <laughs> he seemed very normal. Um, I also think he was totally oblivious. Yes, I don't think he was super happy being there, and so he was always away on always work. He's always a lawyer. Working. He's always working. Yeah, I almost felt mm-hmm. like he was just trying to avoid all the pain, and. Mm-hmm complications of their family just yeah. by he just escaped by work was his escape yeah and if you think about it if this was a true life story and you had a once vivacious beautiful daughter who's now just sitting comatose looking at a window doing mm-hmm. nothing all day but staring into the garden yeah i would it would be hard to sit around and watch that it'd be know? very hard mm-hmm. and of course the the key character we're going to find out is laura sutton the mother and did you like her character no no. At first, I kind of did. I thought, well, she's prim and proper, mm-hmm. but 
I mean, she's bending over backwards. She's mm-hmm. jumping through hoops to make Margot feel at home. She wants her to know, we want you to be part of our family. Okay. But, Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Okay, in the beginning, yes, I gave her the benefit of the doubt. I tried to like her. Yeah. I, I should say that. I did try to like okay. her. Okay. She's very prim and proper mm-hmm. and has super strict rules. Like, she doesn't let um, Margot have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Well, Hello. And I no spoiler alerts here, but some of the stuff that was a pretty big tip off. You know what's going to happen in the end? Oh, she doesn't have a cell phone. Gee, I wonder if that's going to fix something. You know. Yeah. And then she and, does, and they didn't have internet service out there. No anyway, internet. So. And this is cool. Mm-hmm. Now the mom's defense of it was, you know, people don't live in the present. People don't have relationships. They don't connect. We want to connect. We want to have a real family. All her reasons were great, mm-hmm. and and I agree. But, yeah, no internet service, no cell phone. Gee, I wonder if that will come into play later. But um, I'm just curious. Okay, so, you know, I knew we were going to be discussing Laura. So some of the things that came to my mind was, and you've already said a few of these, was very rich, super uptight. She dressed and groomed herself meticulously, ultra proper, and I called her Miss Manners. Mm-hmm. But uh, didn't you think it was interesting how she went from this super perfect mother to as the story progressed, she, you could see her temper coming out and how she mm-hmm. became more domineering as she the story. She definitely gradually started to unravel. She started becoming her her true colors started coming out, and mm-hmm. you could see some of her snobbery. I feel like we're doing spoiler alerts here. Oh, okay, yeah, but yeah, maybe not. Well, no, you're right. I I, I did kind of give a little bit too much yeah. information there. Oh, let me ask you a question though. Okay, do you think people like Laura, what we just described, the mm-hmm. super rich, the super uptight just dressed so so that they're picture perfect on the outside but maybe but do you think people like that really exist today i do just because some of the book movies i've seen like yeah i know movies are all true everything is Mm -hmm. true but um i don't think we would have so many people portrayed that way if there weren't people out yes i think there are people who are so they want their lives to look perfect especially in the ultra rich they want everybody to think their lives are perfect they take the perfect vacation. They have the perfect home. They have the perfect car. But obviously, nobody's perfect. But I think mm-hmm. of that lady, the Devil Wears Prada, is actually based on, I don't know if it was Elle or Cosmopolitan. is one of those big-time oh, yeah. uh, magazine issues. Mm-hmm. And that's, they say, who that movie's really based on. And they say she really was similar to the lady in mm-hmm. that movie, to Meryl Streep. Right. Yeah, I think these people exist, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I do, too. Um, and then there's a brother, there's a love interest, there's a brother who's away at the prep school or wherever, and his name's Barrett, and he comes home, and of course he's suspicious, suspicious of Agatha right away. Or, or no, I'm sorry, Agatha, not Agatha. Agatha's his sister, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, not Agatha, uh, Margot. Uh, mm-hmm. But one cool thing about Barrett, and I thought that made him unique, is he could play the piano. Hey, can I just say right here for the record, mm-hmm. I love a man who can play the piano. Yes. I love you, Keith Urban. Oh, I forgot Keith yes. can play That's the piano. That's one reason I love Keith Urban, because he can play the piano. Yes, he can. I always forget that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. I will say out of all the characters written, I just thought Barrett was one of the most well-written. Because, yeah. Because he seemed the most realistic. Because mm-hmm. Not that most teenage boys can play the piano like Beethoven or whatever, but... Um, <laughs> But, you know, if you're super wealthy and you've had lessons your whole life, yeah. And he was passionate about it, and he practiced all the time. Most teenage boys, I would have said, oh, there's no way that's what he wants to do with his life is play the piano. But yeah. when you are super wealthy, 
that is part of your life a lot of times mm-hmm. is, is, is the things that they do to enrich your life. And a lot of it is learning to play instruments. Right. And like it's that. not like so. you're out there going, oh, i got to find a job as an insurance broker or something. Mm-hmm. They're just like they pick these professions. They can do whatever they want half the time because they have the money. Yep. But I like that. Even though um, his parents weren't ideal in many ways, he still loved them and defended them. Like when Margot mm. would make accusations or whatever, he didn't immediately believe Margot. He would defend his family. I thought that's what a true mm-hmm. a person in true life would do. They're not going to believe this stranger when they start throwing around accusations. They're going if they truly love their family, they're going to defend their family. I just thought he seemed re- real, realistic. Yeah. Margot seemed pretty realistic. The mom was kind of out there. Mm-hmm. The dad seemed pretty realistic. Yeah, And, of course, let's talk about the house as a character. Every gothic novel has to have the big, creepy house. And so um, one thing that was um, interesting to me, she's told to stay out of, what's it called? Um, The North Wing. The North Wing. And, of course, once you're told to stay away from somewhere, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to explore it. Yeah. Um, Um, You know... I had a, did you have trouble visualizing the house? Um, I actually kind of did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in so, uh, many of the books we've discussed, like the widow's house, I could picture that really well. But this one, I did have a little trouble visualizing the house. Yeah, and I kept just having to remind my myself, okay, this house is enormous. Yes. It's huge, and I, and I gotta tell you. Well, I thought the author did a really good job of Okay, and that's what was my next question was, what are the strengths and weaknesses? So let's go for it. This is, what did you think the strengths were? Okay, well, I, the way, okay, so I used to always think, oh, it would be so cool to live in a great big old mansion like that mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. But the way she described it, like, there would be wings that were just completely sealed off. Mm-hmm. And there were rooms that were outdated. And, like, the, maybe the water faucets were old-timey. And, like, there was cobwebs. And I, it just hit me. That's what it would really be like. You know, especially when you don't have people coming to visit very often. It's not like Downton Abbey where there's, they're, <laughs> right. you, they're using all the rooms. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it, it made me realize, mm, no, I don't think I would want to live in a house right. like that. Because... It's not necessarily, it's, yeah, you're going to have dust and cobwebs and dirt. It's going to be stuffy, and it's not, if the rooms are closed up, it's not like you have this fresh air. Yeah, I think those are things we don't really think about when we mm-hmm. think, ooh, I want to live in a big gothic mansion. And it was interesting, and you mentioned this earlier, so uh, Agatha's room originally was like a really posh, really cool, live room for a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. But they had, they moved her once she got into the state into the nursery. So what do you think the significance of that was? Why was she living in the nursery? Unless the mother just saw her as an infant again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. See, Mm -hmm. my, I have another thought, but I can't really say it without giving away the spoiler. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it, but Mm -hmm. I agree. To me, the strengths were, it had my interest from the get go. I mean, this is a very interesting background. You've got an orphan whose whole family drowned. And then the guy who saves her, her dad had saved him from drowning. Mm-hmm. She goes to live in the big, huge Gothic manor. Part of it is off limits. And it's and then, of course, you've got this comatose daughter. I mean, she's not really comatose. She's not in a coma. She's yeah. awake. But basically, she just sits and stares out the window all day. It's like she's there in body, but not in not mind in or mind. spirit. Yeah. And so it's very intriguing. The plot was very intriguing, very original. And it had me hooked. Yeah, I wanted to know. 
why is that part of the house off limits? What's up with this teenage girl who sits and stares out the window all day? I mean, it did. It hooked me and it made me want to keep reading. The author did a great job with setting mm-hmm. and with the plot. Um, the only weakness, and once again, don't want to spoiler alert here, once you find out who the bad guy is, why is it that every <laughs> single time, or it seems to me like 95% of the books I read, if there's a bad guy, they're extreme. They're over the top. They're not believable. And I want you to think about, when you think about the bad guy, did this bad guy, him or her, seem extreme, over the top? Yeah, but books aren't worth writing about unless they're extreme. It's I don't know. I just so think people are more... more <laughs> that's true. I just think people are more complex than mm-hmm. we give them credit for. They're not all good. They're not all bad. Okay. Which this person did have some good in him or her. I, okay. You're <laughs> but, making a good point there. Because in my opinion... True life is more scary when someone seems sane, mm-hmm. but they've got some evil that they're performing. And I and think that's why you're com- right. So rather than being completely over the top crazy, if they've got some saneness and a little, it's a little balanced. That's yes. what makes life scary. Yes, because it could be the next Joe you meet on the street. Yes. Oh, they seem so normal, but ooh, there's right. something. Well, there. I don't have to worry about a character who's crazy over the top because people like that don't really exist. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they do, but yeah. it's very minuscule. So yeah, I guess, I, you're right. I, I see what I guess you're once the bad guy is revealed, and not just in this book, in many. It's like, really? Does that person really exist? Are there people that are really that crazy? And maybe there are. I mean, I guess yeah. watch Dateline or 48 Hour no, or whatever. T- you know what? I think you make a very valid point. I think if they had made this person less over the top but still as evil, yes. it would have been a better ending. I agree. Yeah. That's my only complaint. Just um, make the bad guy not quite so... I want it to be more believable. More believable. Yeah. It's yes. like what? Something that... That's why Stephen King is, is so successful because he he puts uh he writes stories about things that seem like they could be yes r- true yeah you know, like they, re- they realistically could happen I, mm. well I, I, don't, I shouldn't say that well what not. i read that mm. one of one of the formulas he uses has made him so successful mm-hmm. is he takes normal everyday things that we're all familiar with yes. and turns it into something terrifying yes. like the clown in it yes. something that kids used to love clowns he's made those into something okay. terrifying. Yeah, you said that better than I did. So it's not so much. It's it's more about taking things that familiar that we're familiar with and, and making it terrifying and making us not feel safe anymore yes. with our our assumptions of yes. our surroundings. And okay, exactly. Okay, can I just tell you my my the thing I didn't like about yes. the book? I'm sorry. Okay, how convenient that. Barrett is this good-looking, <laughs> smart, athletic, loves to play the piano. Uh, I mean, that was just too convenient. Okay, I'm sorry. it's funny you said that because the next book I'm going to ask you to read is called The Cousins. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness, same exact deal. Which there's a cut. Okay, I can't tell you too much because you haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say the same exact thing. How convenient mm-hmm. that the guy she's stuck with just happens to be this good-looking, charming... Right. Well, super charming. I was thinking... Yeah, how come they're never nerdy, big, tall, seven-foot skinny? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yes. Nerdy, skinny, like, Dumbo okay, ears. I'm an orphan, and I'm stuck in this big mansion. Oh, but wait. <laughs> but this, wait, but there's wait, more. There's more. I mean, <laughs> and I thought, okay, obviously this is written for teenage girls. Okay. Yes. And I'm not saying that someone else can't enjoy I enjoyed the book. Yeah. I thought if you want to tailor make uh, tailor make a book yes. for teenage girls, this is it. Well, and that is one of my complaints, and I know books wouldn't sell if all the guys.
gals were ugly, but one mm-hmm. of my yeah, YA complaints yes. is that the guy that they're always stuck with or thrown together with or always just happens to be this uh, really good-looking, good sense of humor, mm-hmm. very good personality they're, guy. They're it's a dream so, guy. Yes, yeah. it's so convenient. Yeah. And then I felt like that they just... Oh, this might be a spoiler. They just fell in love way too easily. Oh, yeah. It just happened so Oh, and that's my other complaint. Not only is the guy who's always thrown into the mix just Mm -hmm. happen to be good looking and happen to have a good... They always, in the end, end up falling for the girl who Mm -hmm. happens to be... And usually the girls are self-described as plain or average. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like Bella in the Twilight series. She described herself as plain or average. But these good-looking guys, Mm -hmm. they always fall for these self-described plainer average girls. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that. We just had a twin moment because as I was listening to that book and with her voice and the way they described her as just being kind of average, I kept thinking of Kristen Stewart. Yeah. So all through the book, I was picturing Kristen Stewart. Okay. Well, um, but yeah, I, like I said, it's how you're not going to sell books if the girls are ugly and the guys are Ugly um, and and don't have good personalities and they don't end up and they never end up together. Right. In, in books and movies, they have a formula and there's a reason. Yeah, because the formulas work. work. Mm-hmm. All right. So we this is an audio book, so we're not going to read any favorite passages or anything like that. But um, I do have a book rating. Of course, you could probably guess what it is. Oh, I was going to try to think of that beforehand. Um, I don't know. How many companions? Yeah. Okay. I got real original this time. <laughs> oh, that was hard. Um, that was how, a hard one. How many companions are you going to give um, this I'm going to give it four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm giving it three and a half mm-hmm. just because of my complaints. Mm-hmm. I like the book. Yeah. Uh, and would you recommend it was my next question. I would recommend it definitely young adults. Anybody who loves uh, to read about the big gothic houses and anybody who loves to try to guess, like, who done it? Or who done who, it? Or who's doing it? Yeah, who's doing it? Yeah, if you are the type of person that likes suspense and gothic novels, and you want to try to figure out what's going on before mm-hmm. it's revealed, yeah. then yeah, I think it's a fun read. And you know, I, I I did enjoy the book. I want to be clear about that, but. It did seem like a drug on at times. Like, mm-hmm. it was kind of lengthy. It seemed like it took me a long time to actually listen to the I whole book. I can't remember because it's been about a month since I've read it, but... I would listen to it while I was walking every night, and mm-hmm. it just seemed like it took a while to get through it. But, and I, I'm not saying it was a waste of time, but, like, I think I would have enjoyed it when I was 18 much... Like, I gave it a four because I'm, I think it's a four for young adults. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, for me personally, I would have given it a three. But, okay. like, if you're a young adult, I, I raise my rating up. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Because I feel like yeah. it's really geared toward, toward young, young adults. adults. Yeah. Okay. Well, I gave it three companions as well. Yeah. And okay. I'm with you. If I were a teenager reading this, I probably would have given it a four. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting, because I always like to go on Goodreads and read all the reviews. Hmm. So many... And I'm just making this assumption. I could be wrong, but I think the way that was worded and the way it's written, it seemed like it was young teenage girls writing a lot of these reviews. Mm-hmm. So many of them mentioned, oh, it's so scary. It's so creepy. I couldn't keep reading at night. I had to wait till daylight and pick it up in the morning. And I thought, I don't ever remember it getting Okay, that's creepy. interesting. I'm glad you told me that because I kept thinking as I was reading it, it's it's obviously intended to be creepy, scary. I never did suspenseful. suspenseful, and I kept thinking, well, I know the author's doing a good job, but I'm personally past that. It those things don't 
But I kept thinking, a young person reading this, yes, this would be very creepy and a little uh, scary. Okay, well, okay. Well, it surprised me, but Mm -hmm. many, many of the, and it was girls, like I said, and I'm assuming they're teenagers, Mm -hmm. mentioned how creepy and scary and how they would have to quit reading at night and reading in the daylight. And I was like, what? You know what? Maybe maybe because they're younger. And and because they could put themselves in that situation because they're the same age as. Margot, and they can That's see themselves true. in that setting thinking, ooh, what would I do? And, oh, you know? you're right. That's a good point, Angie, because maybe they feel more vulnerable because mm-hmm. they're teenagers, and maybe we feel a little more empowered because yes. we're adults, yes. and we'd be like... I think they can relate. Yeah, maybe more. they can relate to the fear more of mm-hmm. the young girls. Okay, so... Well, and I gotta say, if you're a young person and you're reading about that wreck and her losing her family, oh, and, yeah. then, and the part that kind of startled me that the author said mm-hmm. uh, was... Oh, I sure hate to give spoiler alerts, but mm-hmm. this was just such an interesting part to me. Margot admits some at some point in the book she has guilt because she thinks her mother was still alive yeah. and couldn't get out of her seat. I was going to say, the one part of the book to me that was the creepiest and affected me the most and yes. made me think the most was that. Is she wakes up in the middle of the night and there's the word go written on her wall. Yeah. And we know it. We don't think it can be... Agatha because she's she like can't. comatose. She right. came in right. Mm-hmm. So that was very intriguing to me. How, how did the word go yeah. get why written on her that? wall? Because that's a little teaser to make our yes. listeners want to listen. But yeah. that part, it once I found out the reason and how the word go got mm-hmm. there and the story behind it, mm-hmm. that was so gut-wrenching. Yes, and I love that the author... Um, she was able to bring a resolve. Okay, so she Margot felt guilty because she feels like her mother was still alive when she escaped the vehicle that was being flooded. She couldn't get out of her seatbelt. But the author found a way to resolve that situation toward the end of the book. It was very clever and oh, and how she remember. resolved that whole issue so that Marco Margot could have peace because that actually it did give me some closure as a reader. Okay, this to is hear where my memory's horrible. Peace. So once this episode's over, mm-hmm. are you able to tell me in a way that doesn't spoil it or do we need to wait till we get through recording? I um, I do remember feeling like yes, everything was resolved. It was wrapped up in a nice little bow and yeah. I was happy with the way it ended. Um, let's just say she's able to get some confirmation that her mom's okay and at peace. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to hit pause because okay. I really need Angie <laughs> to tell me and remind me. We're going to hit pause. Be back in just a second. All right, so Angie reminded me of the ending, and I forgot there is a little bit of a supernatural force at work. So if you're interest, interested in these suspense books that involve a little bit of the supernatural this will be right up your alley so in conclusion um we highly recommend the companion uh especially for probably young adult female readers i think would enjoy it the most so did you have anything else you wanted to add okay well thank you so much for listening to us and we'll see you next time on twin talk